take a seat. Please take a seat. Well, good morning. It's good to be back. I want to talk to you this morning about a part of our lives that I think is so significant for us that I, I fail to believe that I'd even imagine for one second that people don't know these things, but I'm just reminding you of some things that I think are so vital to us understanding what God is doing in our lives. I want to talk to you about the Holy Spirit this morning. I want to talk to you about the friend that sticks closer than the brother. I want to talk to you about the one who has the power in and through you to change everything about you, and not only you, but through your life to transform the world around you. I want to talk to you about the gift that God has given you, and for many, many reasons we perhaps are not necessarily as switched on when it comes to the ministry and the work of the Holy Spirit as we could. There are some people that believe the only reason the Holy Spirit is present on this earth is to save people from their sins. And of course we know that without the conviction of sin, people will just carry on doing what they're doing. Is there anybody here this morning who can see in your own story that once you didn't think about those things and suddenly they became important to you and you were drawn towards Jesus, kind of sort of without much effort of your own, to find or to seek him. Does anybody realize that somebody was looking for you, that somebody was the Holy Spirit? Give me a wave if you've had that experience. Yes, I think we, we, for all kinds of reasons, we think that we are the people who are orchestrating our spiritual journey. But the truth is, from the foundations of the earth, God knew you and he formed you in your mother's womb and he has plans to prosper and to bless you. You're not some accidental tourist on the planet, God intentionally moved towards you by the power of his Holy Spirit. Isn't it great to think that he came looking for you even when you weren't that interested in him? And if that's how this started, it's got to be how it continues. And I think we put an awful lot of, of energy and resource into our ability to search for God and fail sometimes to realize that the only seeker in this room really, who's consistent and permanent in that seeking reality is God himself. Jesus, it says of him that he came to seek and to save that which is lost. And I don't know about you, I'm really grateful to God that this isn't all down to me. I'm really grateful to God that it's not by might or by my power, but by his spirit. I'm really grateful to God that he's given me someone who will live in my life and show me and teach me how to live righteously before God. I'm thankful to God every day for the Holy Spirit. Is there anyone here who is born again this morning? You do realize that you didn't get born again because of you. It was the Holy Spirit who brought you into that new reality, amen? Is there anybody who's been praying and you suddenly felt this kind of real urgency or passion in your prayer? Anybody ever experienced that? I just want to remind you that that's not your human soul engaging with something. That's the Holy Spirit awakening you to a moment in time where God wanted to speak and minister in a particular way. Has anyone ever read their Bible and opened it up and you've read the same thing a thousand times and suddenly on one day in your life, these words seem to have power. They seem to have a sense of life about them and you find yourself in this incredible interaction with the Word of God. Has anybody ever had that experience? I just want to remind you that's not because you're bright. Okay, it's not because you're capable. You may be all of those things. It's the work and the ministry of the Holy Spirit who draws you deeper and deeper and deeper into the realities of Jesus. Aren't you grateful for the Holy Spirit? Can I just ask you today, do you really think that God who began this work in you is also not interested about it continuing? The Bible says that he who began this thing, and it was he who began it, will carry it on until it's completed. I don't know how you feel about that, but that takes a load off me. If God began something and he promises to complete it, somewhere between the beginning and the completion, there's a partnership necessary with the Holy Spirit for me to become all that God intended me to be. And day by day, I'm asked and invited by God through his word to walk in step with the Holy Spirit. I found myself being much kinder when I became a Christian. 
Now, it wasn't that somehow I saw people differently, or maybe I did slightly. It was simply that God's character and God's nature began to fashion itself inside of me. I found myself hanging out with the Christians. Have you ever met the Christians? They're a strange bunch of people, the Christians. Okay, and I would find myself often repelled by religious people before I became a Christian, but the weirdest thing began to happen. I wanted to come to church. Obviously, some of you didn't get the memo, but I wanted to come to church. I wanted to worship God. Sometimes we need to stop and pause and remind ourselves that we can only love Him because He has first loved us. Everything we have, everything we know, everything we're experiencing in God is because the Holy Spirit is with us. The Holy Spirit is leading us. He's trying to help us. He's trying to work in us to make us more like Jesus. I'm not talking about a ghost. I'm not talking about a a force that imposes itself. I'm talking to you about a person. The third person of the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And Jesus has much to say about who the Holy Spirit is. And we're going to look at some of those truths today. If you have a Bible with you, I want you to go to John chapter 3 for me. And this is the story of a man who knew lots of spiritual things. His name is Nicodemus. And Nicodemus was high up the ladder of spiritual importance. He was a Pharisee. He was somebody of great knowledge. He studied the scriptures. And when we talk about scriptures there, we're talking about the Septuagint. We're talking about the first five books of the Bible, the Torah. And he studied them from a very early age. He he, he gave his life over to studying the word of God. And yet, in spite of all that study, in spite of all that learning, in spite of all that heritage and and all of that investment, there was something remarkably different about Jesus. Jesus was different than the other spiritual people that he met. And what was the difference was not the things that Jesus said, that was unusual, but was just the stuff that would happen around Jesus. You see, other people would preach and nothing would change. But when Jesus preached, people's lives were transformed. Other people would pray and nothing happened. But when Jesus prayed for the sick, they were healed instantly. Other people would judge people according to their class or their creed. But when Jesus was around them, those people that that the religious people seemed to keep at a long arm's length were drawn towards Jesus. And Jesus was repeatedly accused of hanging out with sinners and drunkards. All the wrong people seemed to like Jesus Christ. And Nicodemus watched this phenomena. He watched what was happening in Jesus' life and he was curious. And he was curious enough to make the effort to come and see Jesus privately. You see, he did it privately and he did it at night because he did not want his reputation to be dented by coming to Jesus. And when he comes to Jesus, he starts talking to Jesus about the kingdom of heaven. And Jesus says to him, unless a man is born again, I think it's verse 3, unless a man is born again, he will not enter the kingdom of heaven. Unless a man is born again. Let me just write that down for you. Is that okay? Born again. It's a word or a sentence or two words that we're very familiar with, but if you're Someone new to church, you're probably wondering, what does that mean? In fact, Nicodemus goes back to Jesus and says to him, I don't don't get it. I don't understand what you're saying. How can a man once again go back into being inside of his mother's womb? And Jesus says, no, no, it's not a natural rebirth. It's a supernatural rebirth. Today, you could be quite religious and think you're a follower of Jesus. Today, you could do all of the right things at all of the right times and really genuinely think that you are following Jesus. But I want to tell you this, religion will never do for you what the Spirit of God wants to do for you. And you can go to everything and pray all the right things and give your money to the poor and you can do all of that stuff. And you may do it out of a good heart or good intentions, but unless you are born again, unless the Spirit of God does something in you and for you, you will never have eternal life. And when I think of it, I have had times and moments when I thought I was a good person 
doing all the right things for all the right reasons. But on the 29th of October, 38 years ago, I got born again in somebody's front room. And although I grew up knowing a lot about spiritual things, I was a seeker myself. I sought all kinds of information about all kinds of religious realities. It wasn't until the Spirit of God breathed life on my spirit that I was born again. You cannot be born again by human effort. You cannot be born again by good works. You cannot be born again by reading. You can only be born again when the Spirit of God breathes life into your spirit. Now, I have a question for you this morning because the truth is you could be here week after week and not be born again. Who knows? But if you're born again, let me tell you what happens when you're born again. You have this affection and this love and this desire and this delight for Jesus. You can't create that by human energy and effort. And religion will never produce that in you because religion is simply a prison. It's about rules and restrictions. But where the Spirit of God is, there is freedom. There is liberty. There is, here's another demonstration of you having the Holy Spirit. Some of you are going to wake up now when I say this. It's joy. You miseries. It's joy. One of the evidences of the Holy Spirit at work in people's lives is that they are generally happier people. Some of you obviously didn't get that memo. But the Spirit always brings life. And there's a world of difference between people who love God and people who work for God. Now I think if you love God and you're in love with God, you probably want to do some things because you love Him. Out of the overflow of the love you feel for Him, and more importantly the love you've experienced in Him, you will want to do good things. But religion will never do for you what the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit alone can do for you. Unless a man is born again, he cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. Now I've been in ministry, I don't know how long now, I think since the dinosaurs or Moses or one of the two walked the earth. Sometimes churches are full of people and they're not all born again. Sometimes people come to places like this because they grew up somewhere. They've not had a personal encounter with Jesus. They have maybe some historical, or in some cases hysterical, experiences of God. And they end up somewhere like this because they don't know where to go and they don't know really what's happened to them. But if you're born again, if you're born again today, you will have joy. And you will love Jesus. And it's a remarkable thing. It's a remarkable thing to be born again. Now you didn't get born again because you were good. You got born again because God is so good that he reached into your heart and into your life. And I believe that God, in his great wisdom, created new life the minute that we were born again. I found myself doing the weirdest things I never thought I'd ever do, like coming to church with the Christians. I was talking to somebody the other day and they said, you know, the trouble with church is it's full of hypocrites. And I thought it through and I thought, you're absolutely right. Because we are, aren't we? Tell the truth. We've got all the answers and we never turn up in the right way sometimes. God loves the world. I just don't. <laughs> yeah. I said to her, don't worry about it, darling. Come along, there's room for one more. There's space on the front. Nobody sits here. Look how many hypocrites we could get into here. One, two, well this one's a large hypocrite, so maybe one and a half, two. Church is full of people who say all the right things but don't necessarily live the right way. Wasn't that a shock to you when you first became a Christian? It's a shock to me still after all these years. I remember the first time I went along to a Pentecostal church, got born again, Somebody's front room, come along to church. I thought, everyone's going to be like Jesus. The guy on the door who shook my hand was not like Jesus. Because he hi highlighted the fact that I wasn't dressed appropriately for church. Now, don't worry, I didn't have a frontless, backless, anything on like that. Okay, I wouldn't subject anyone to that. But I didn't have a suit on. And in those days, you had to wear a suit. If you were born again, the minute Jesus came into your heart and into your life, you got a tie. 
You got a tie and you got a suit. You may never have worn it anywhere else, but you had to put it on to come to church. You know, people got so religious in that church about the way people dressed that it immediately caused people who couldn't dress like that or wouldn't dress like that or would never think of dressing like that not to want to come along to that church because that's religion. But you see, relationship is a matter of the heart. And you can't tell from the outside whether somebody's suited or booted or just in their jeans or now, even worse, in their flip-flops. Young men come to church now when they're flip-flops. Next, it's going to be, you know, swimming trunks. I don't know what's coming next. But it's so casual, people come along to church now in all kinds of shapes and forms. All of this is so important to us because unless we know that we're born again, unless we know that this is a, a work of God in our lives, we can fall into the trap of trying to keep what only God can keep. Trying to do what can only be done by the power of the Holy Spirit. Trying to become through our effort and our input, only what the Holy Spirit can turn us into. So let me take you on a little journey about something that I think may be helpful to you. I want to draw this incredible picture. This is worth three years in our college. Look at this. Can you see this? Then you might want to move. Because <laughs> we can't, this thing doesn't stand up on its own. So. We've got to have it propped against something. If you can't see it, why don't you move? I'll wait. That's it, front row. One more hypocrite, Lord, one more. <laughs> the Bible teaches us that we are a triune creature. That's, is that a felted pen? Okay, we are made up of three parts. Does anybody know what they are? Body, soul, and spirit. Now the minute you got born again, your spirit was made new. Right in that second. You didn't do it. You couldn't create it. You couldn't cause it. You simply received new birth from God. Your spirit, because look at this, this is one, two, three parts of your human experience is consistently in communion and fellowship with God. Now, this is good news because at least one third of you is righteous. Hallelujah. Because the righteous one has come to live inside of you. The Holy Spirit has taken up residence if you're born again Oh, thank you. This pen's coming from every angle now. Thanks, Roger. Inside of you, you are born again by the Spirit. That means on your worst day, your worst day, and trust me, I know we all have them, okay? God is living in one-third of your human reality. And that's not dependent on how often you come to church or how regularly you pray or how much you give, or how much you read, this born-again experience is a gift that God has given to you. And Jesus mentions this to us in the Gospel of John. We're gonna turn there, please, if we can. John 14. Verses 16 to 18, Jesus tells us about this experience. He says, and I will ask the Father. Now I want you to pause for a moment and consider this. This interaction is very important because this isn't you asking the Father. This isn't somebody religious around you or even in a position of authority. This is Jesus asking the Father. And when Jesus asks the Father, you can guarantee that the Father will do as Jesus asks. So Jesus, on your behalf, has asked his Father. And he has asked him for specific realities to become your realities. The first one is this. He will give you, say give you, 
Another, this word another, is an important word because it means the same as Jesus. In the Aramaic, it means one who is the same as Jesus. Now, I want us to stop there for a minute because sometimes when we think of the Holy Spirit, we're thinking of this kind of force or this power or this ethereal individual. But actually, Jesus is saying, you're going to have someone given to you who is exactly like I am. Now, maybe not in physical form, but exactly like I am in my nature, exactly as compassionate and as merciful as I am, exactly as powerful and available as I am, exactly as necessary as I am to you to live the life that I've called you to. And the another is important because I think when it comes to the Holy Spirit, I found in church that some people are a little bit kind of uncertain, a little bit hesitant. And I want to suggest to you that this invitation and this prayer that Jesus prayed is exactly what you are hoping for, dreaming for, and need in your life today. You have this glorious opportunity to have the God who created all things by the power of his spirit to live inside your life. And if he's living inside your life, things will begin to change. And he's just like Jesus. Now think of all the stories you know about Jesus. His power even over death and sin. What about this wonderful attribute of Jesus, his obedience to the Father, to die a horrific death on the cross so that by his blood you might be forgiven of your sins. That sounds to me like a wonderful person, don't you think? Or the way Jesus interacted with people that society ignored. He seemed to find them and they found him. Isn't it wonderful that when we're living in a world where so many hierarchical structures are, where people are important for all kinds of reasons, that we're walking with a God who sees us as we are and loves us as we are. Isn't that incredible? Who I am is enough for God. It may not be enough for you. It may not be enough for others in my life. But who I am is enough for God. Someone just like Jesus. You know, Jesus, he hated religion. And he hated religion because religion imprisoned people. Religion is about keeping all the rules and doing all the right stuff. And can I ask you an honest question? How are you doing with that? Because I know you come to church on a Sunday and we make all these declarations, but it's hard to live with that on a Monday, isn't it? And to do the right thing and think the right thing and act in the right way. But Jesus didn't leave it down to your effort. He gave you one who has the power to equip you and to help you to live the righteous life that he has afforded you. You are not on your own in this world. You have an advocate. You have the Holy Spirit who is just like Jesus. And guess where he has taken residence? Not in your head, not in our meetings. Those are little decoys. He lives inside of you. The Bible tells us that your body is now the temple of the Holy Spirit. The God of the universe lives inside of you. That's remarkable, isn't it? I'm slightly excited. And that is very, very powerful for me because what God has called me to, what God has called all of us to, I can't do. I can't be pure unless he makes me pure. Have you tried to be pure? Come on, talk to me. I can go home and be ignored. Has anyone tried to be pure? Have you tried to be a good person? How did that go? Oh, you were doing well in the church meeting until you got outside and somebody cut you up at the traffic lights. It all went downhill from there, didn't it? I know. I'm human. Yeah. Have you ever been in a, in a meeting and you say, God, I just want to pray more than I pray. And, you know, you get home and you turn the telly on and three hours pass and you think, oh, I'm too tired now. You should have caught me when I was in a good mood, Jesus. <laughs> I've got to do this and do that and the kid's got to get up for school. Oh, forget it. I'll do it another day. 
Have you ever been in a situation where you thought, what that person really needs is God? And yet you're standing right in front of them and you didn't do what the Holy Spirit asked you to do? You see, it's not by might. It could never be by your power. But it is by His Spirit. And the Holy Spirit, the one who is like Jesus, the one who is powerful and glorious and capable and knows everything about everything, doesn't live in the church building. He lives inside of you. And the whole journey now is about getting to know about that. Everything from that born again moment is about understanding how to walk with the Holy Spirit. How to let the Holy Spirit lead you more and more and more into the likeness that Jesus has created you for. And you and I have to learn how to know him, to sense his leading, to understand when it's he that's speaking to us. And more importantly than all of that, because I've done thousands of seminars on hearing the voice of God, lots of people want to hear the voice of God, but very few want to obey it. It's not enough to hear God speak or God say or God show you something. If you really want to understand the power of the Holy Spirit in your life, you need to become obedient to that voice. On the day that Jesus was baptized, the Bible tells us that the Father and the Spirit were present at the River Jordan. And the Father says these glorious things over Jesus' life. He says, this is my Son whom I love, in Him I am well pleased. But that's not the end of Jesus' story. It says that the Spirit empowered Jesus, and guess where Jesus went as He was led by the Spirit? Not to a pulpit. Not to His prayer closet. He was led by the Spirit into the desert. And the Spirit led Jesus. This is Jesus, by the way, the Son of Almighty God. He submitted himself to the leadership of the Holy Spirit as a man, fully God, fully man, and was led by the Spirit away from the comfort of his life, away from the opportunity that they provided into a desert place. You see, if you want to be filled with the Spirit, you must surely understand that being filled with the Spirit will certainly result in wanting to be led by the Spirit. It's not enough to be filled with the Spirit. We must also be led by the Spirit. And here's the great thing about the Holy Spirit. He always leads us to life. And you and I need to learn how to trust Him. And you and I need to know that when God asks us to do something, He's not going to harm us. He's just like Jesus. He's going to bless us. Now, we need to examine what blessing looks like because I think sometimes we think blessing is having everything and doing nothing. I actually think there's a philosophy in the world right now, isn't there? You ask some young people what they want to do. I want to do as little as possible for as much as possible. Well, God bless you. I hope that really works out for you. I'm not really sure how that's going to work out for you. It didn't work out for me, but hey, another generation, another vision. I don't know. But if you're walking with Jesus, you're going to be led by the Holy Spirit. If you're born again, you're going to want to do what God wants you to do. If you are a lover of Jesus, you want to honor him with your obedience, not just with your lips when you sing songs. And being led by the Spirit, I've known lots of thousands of people who are filled with the Spirit. But I don't know very many people who are honestly led by the Holy Spirit. And that's a problem. Here's why it's a problem. Because we talk about blessing and fullness, but we're not partnering with the one who's leading us to that blessing and fullness. And what happens over time is Christians get very disillusioned with Jesus Christ, very disillusioned with their spiritual journey because they want to be filled, but they don't like being led. The Apostle Paul puts it so more eloquently than I could. He said, for me to live now, I'm born again. For me to live is Christ. I don't do what I want to do anymore. I do what the Spirit asks me to do. Can you imagine that, Nathan? Living like that. I don't do what I want to do. See, our problem is we do what we want to do, and we ask God to bless it. Oh, God, you've got plans for me. That means I must have a better job, a greater car, a more beautiful boyfriend or husband or whatever it is. Look, everything that we think God wants to give us, 
is actually coming from our soul sometimes because it's what we want to make ourselves feel successful. And you can be successful without the Holy Spirit, but you cannot be fruitful without the Holy Spirit. Only the Holy Spirit will lead you into the fullness that Jesus has offered you. And for that to happen, you need to be born again. Do we have any born againers in here? Where are the Christians? The born againers? And you know and I know that when you're born again, you see things differently. You see, when I got born again, something started to happen to me in this area of my life, which is my soul. Now my soul is my emotions and my feeling, my character, my understanding, my intellect, all of those things. And in my soul, the Holy Spirit, the audacity of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit began to interfere with the way I thought about things. The Holy Spirit, the first thing the Holy Spirit began to convict me over is that I used to say the name of Jesus. In my family, everybody said Jesus. We were Irish Catholic travelers, and, and Jesus this, and Jesus that, and Holy Mary, Mother of God this, and the first thing the Holy Spirit thought was important for me to see and to understand is that I should not take the name of the Lord, my God, in vain. And you see, my family, they could swear, like, like good, good Irish swearers. They had a degree in foul language. And I didn't mind any of that. But at the minute anyone said, oh, Jesus Christ, I felt in my spirit, that's wrong. Don't take the name of Jesus in vain. Did I cause that to happen? Did I read that somewhere? No, I didn't. What was happening is the one who had taken up residence in me, the Holy Spirit, began to interfere with my soul to such a point that I began to think differently about things. I remember the first time I went to church. I would never have gone to church, never been interested in any of those things. I was raised in quite a religious way, but actually I got disinterested in church because I thought it was full of hypocrites. <laughs> Maybe I was kind of right all the time. But the, the truth is that I suddenly wanted to come and worship. Did I do that? Did I cause that? Who is at work there in that story? The Holy Spirit. And this is what the Bible says about that reality, that the Father is looking for worshipers, not leaders, not prophets, worshipers, that's all of us, who will worship him in spirit and in truth. That's a supernatural invitation that was brought about in our lives as a result of the indwelling of the Holy Spirit within us. You cannot even worship God without the Spirit of God showing you how to worship Him. Everything. What about reading your Bible? Does anybody like reading your Bible? I'm not talking about your Bible app. Because I, I hear now the Bible actually comes in print. It's a paper version of it. When I first got saved, I couldn't put my Bible down. I couldn't put it down. It was life to me. Now, I wasn't even a good reader. I didn't like reading particularly. Okay, but the minute God began to speak to me through his word, I found it incredibly attractive. And I would be hours reading and reading and reading and reading. Who do you think created that appetite for the word of God? Was it me? No, it was the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit wanted to connect me to truth because when you know the truth, the truth sets you free. And the Holy Spirit wanted to realign my mind and my heart with what was real about God. And some of the fallacies I believed began to fade and the truth began to emerge. And the Holy Spirit taught me that God would use my pitiful broken life if I just allowed myself to be obedient to his leading. I would find myself talking to all kinds of people in all kinds of contexts, not because I am good, not because I understood, not because I had a clue what was happening, but because greater is he who is in me. So how do you walk with the Holy Spirit? Well, I think if we're really honest, the best answer would be with a limp. Because we're learning a whole other new way of living. 
Now, I know you were raised to be independent. I was. You know, but actually it's to your detriment. Because when you walk with the Holy Spirit, you have to become reliant on his leadership. I know you all thought that if you got great qualifications, that would sustain you through life. And maybe in the natural realm it will. But when it comes to God, it doesn't matter what PhD you have. Some are the cleverest people, are the stupidest people. When it comes to walking with Jesus, they, their intellect gets in the way. They've read everything. They know everything. God bless them. But God's ways are not our ways. His words are not our words. And we have to unlearn some things so that we can be led by the Holy Spirit. God takes the foolish things of this world and he uses them to confound the so-called wisdom of our culture and our world. And if you are so keen that you cannot be obedient to the leading of the Holy Spirit, if you think you know better than God, here's what happens. God stops pressing that button. And you can live your life the way you want to live your life. Your independence, your self-reliance, your education, all of those things, if you're not careful, can get in the way of simple childlike obedience to the Holy Spirit. And who lives in tomorrow? Is it you? The only possible way to live as a Christian, born again, is to be led by the Spirit. And this is exactly what Jesus is saying when he says this, I only do what the Father shows me to do. Can you imagine how much more fruitful and powerful your life would be if you weren't getting in the way of being submissive and humble enough to take God's direction for your life. A couple of weeks ago, a young man came to see me and uh, he's chatting away and he said, it's a bit of emergency. I said, oh, what is it? And he began to tell me these stories. And, and these are his stories. His story went a little like this, that he'd started to get some kind of conviction about some things from his past some things he'd engaged with in his past prior to knowing Jesus. And he began to be concerned because as he thought these things through, they had an implication of really kind of impacting his life. And he wasn't sure whether it was him or the devil or God or whoever it was. And I began to celebrate because what was happening is in his born again reality, he's now being led by the spirit into freedom and into victory. Hallelujah. Oh. Jesus. Hallelujah. Now, no natural person is going to want to give money back to people. That's not natural, is it? You don't even want to give money to people you owe it to. Tell the truth. But this young man was so convicted by the Holy Spirit, he was willing to do whatever the Spirit was asking him to do. He just needed reassurance that it was the Holy Spirit. You know whenever you're chatting with someone and you feel, I should really pray for them, and you don't? You know those moments? Does anybody else have those moments? Talk to me, come on please. What you're doing is disobeying the voice of the Holy Spirit. And don't worry, God will give you more time to work it all out and to trust him and to work it through. But actually, can you imagine how much further on you would be if you simply just trusted that it was the Holy Spirit? Let me tell you something of a secret because it just does my head in. People say, I'm asking God for wisdom. I said, well, what did, what did he say? Well, he said, do this, this, and this, but I think it's the devil. Okay, how did you arrive at that conclusion? Because it made me feel uncomfortable. Oh, I think that might be Jesus. If it made you feel uncomfortable, it probably is Jesus. What was the nature of the instruction? To forgive somebody. Oh, well, that's definitely not the devil, is it? Because <laughs> the devil would love you not to forgive anybody and to live in bitterness and anger for the rest of your life. Sometimes we think, we think the devil can get to us quicker when we ask a question for direction than the Holy Spirit. But let me help you, please. The devil does not live inside of you. And if he does, he's gonna be gone by the end of this meeting. Okay. So if you're asking God for direction, 
Stop getting wrapped up in the nonsense that the devil got to you with his instruction and wear that instruction up in light of the character and the nature and the person of God. The devil's not going to ask you to forgive someone. He's certainly not going to ask you to pay back some money that you may have got involved. He's never going to ask you to go and talk to somebody. He's never going to ask you to go and pray for somebody. Come on. So who could it be? It's not you. Because really on your best day, you're selfish. So if God is leading us, of course it's wise to just work it all out, but actually think about what that leadership is leading you to. And if it's leading to minister to somebody or pray to somebody or forgive somebody or go and repent of something, it's not the devil. And I know it's not your flesh because your flesh needs to be right. Even if you're wrong, you need to be right. So who is it? And why is he leading us that way? Because every Sunday we come here and we say these phrases like, who the Son sets free will be free indeed. We, we call down the blessing of God and we say, God, fill my life with the great things that you have. And we fail to understand that we are holding up the process because there are things in our lives that are not submitted to God. We're not allowing God access all areas. We have particular days or moments or situations we're happy for him to be involved in, but so much of our life we hold back from him. And yet we sing all to Jesus, I surrender, all to him I will freely give. I will ever love and trust him until it's Tuesday afternoon. And in his presence I'll occasionally live. I surrender all, no you don't. So the Holy Spirit begins to work in your soul. He gets you doing things you never thought you would do. I remember the first time I tithed, I was shocked. Giving money to the church. Get thee behind thee, Satan. I was shocked. I remember the first time God asked me to give a substantial amount of money to somebody. I tell you what, I spent more time praying over that than I did the woman I got married to. How remarkable is that, huh? Was it you, Jesus? Was it not you, Jesus? Oh no, it feels really uncomfortable. It can't be the Holy Spirit because God's whole reason for existing is to make me feel nice. Well, it's not enough for us to sing songs. It's not enough for us to say things. We must become the kind of people that allow the Holy Spirit to lead our lives. And every single time you're obedient to the Holy Spirit, you become more like Jesus. Every single decision you make, you are becoming everything in those moments that God invites you to become. They're not accidental, they're not incidental, they're not just casual. They are strategically invites, strategically given invitations to make you more like Jesus. And there are two ways in which we become more like Jesus. One is that we have his character and his nature. Has anyone heard of the fruit of the Spirit? Shout out one of them if you know what they are. Love. Joy. Patience. Long-suffering. Yeah. So the Holy Spirit is at work in your soul to make you love people more. Oh, it was going so well, wasn't it? <laughs> the Holy Spirit is at work in your soul to produce joy. You remember joy, don't you? I know it's a distant memory for some of us. It's a long time ago. Long time ago in Bethlehem. Joy came to our world. Joy is the person of God. Yeah? Joy to the world, the Lord has come. If you want to know whether somebody is born again and is allowing the Holy Spirit to lead them, there will be evidences of joy. You will love God. You won't be able to explain it. You just will love God. You will love other people 
You will become like him if you're led by the Holy Spirit. Love, joy, peace, self-control. This is what the Holy Spirit is trying to do in us, to make us like Jesus. So anytime you get an opportunity to be obedient to his leadership, that's his agenda. He's trying to make you more like Jesus. And the other thing he does in the making of us like Jesus is not just Jesus' beauty and character and nature. He also wants to form in you Jesus' power and the gifts of the Spirit are also part of his agenda in your soul to condition you to become more like Jesus. You see, there are lots of people in this room and you like the idea of a God who is powerful because that brings reassurance to your heart, but actually his power needs to affect your capacity to walk in that power. It's not just a concept, it's an invitation to partner with him until that same power that rose Jesus from the dead is awakened and alive and producing all kinds of things in you, through you, to the world around you. And there are some who just want his character and there are others who chase his power and actually both are part of the same reality. If God is leading me more and more to become like Jesus, then I should have more power than I had yesterday. I should have more grace than I had last week. I should have a greater awareness of his love than I did five years ago. And some of us, we look back at the beginning and we had all those things and somehow we've managed God to such a point that those things are no longer the agenda of our lives. Our agenda now is get me the job, get me the house, get me the girl. Actually, the work of the Spirit in your life is not to get you a better job. The work of the Spirit in your life is to make you like Jesus, both inside and outside. And the problem we have now, and I'll close with this because you look bored, We have said to God, there are certain things you can have and certain things you can't have. And you see, just one of these obstacles in our lives will create a problem for us because we will stint our spiritual growth. Let me tell you about some of these things. Is there anybody who finds trust difficult? Hello. And that's because somewhere in your life, something has happened to you that's caused you not to be so naive or vulnerable to other people. And in that moment, in that painful moment, something took root in your soul. And here we are, 10, 15, 20, 30 years later, and instead of becoming like Jesus, there's a part of you that's become less and less like Jesus. You see, what happens to the heart? It's hurt first, then it goes hard, and then it becomes harsh. If you've been hurt by someone or something, that hurt, if it's not brought to God and submitted to God, and if you don't ask God for help, if you don't allow the Holy Spirit to set you free from that pain, your heart will become hard. And it will become hard to that particular thing. You will no longer be able to even want those things. You believe they're true and possible, but for you, they're not accessible. And what's worse is you'll resent other people who have that level of freedom. Can you hear me? And it's just 1978, and your mother didn't do what she could have done to help you in a situation. And you thought that it didn't matter, but the Holy Spirit has asked you 20 times to forgive your mother. And because you can't bring yourself to forgive your mother, you have got stuck in a moment and you can't get past it. Now, see, the problem we have is sticks and stones do break our bones. And a bone is much easier to, hurt, to heal than a heart. And right now here, I'm just gonna go after this. There is pain in our lives that's holding us and quenching what God wants to do. 
There are things inside of us, and we may come to church and say all the right things and put our hands in the air, but they have got a strong hold over us. And no matter how many promises we make to God, they have some kind of legal access to a part of our soul, and they keep us tied like a dog to a stake. And we can prophesy, and we can sing, and we can declare that we will be free, but on the inside, we need God's liberty. We need the Spirit of God to break the power that those things have over us, that we might live more freely. Amen? And it doesn't matter whether it's shame or rejection or abandonment or abuse, whatever that issue is, you need the Spirit to set you free. You need He who began this journey with you to do inventory on the deepest parts of you because you are never going to live in the abundance of God until some of that stuff is dealt with. And it's not okay where God is concerned to come to church and put our hands in the air and say all the right things whenever we have these issues in our lives. There's people in this room today, shame has locked you into a closet and you've lived there for 30 years. I think it's time to come out. Come out in the name of Jesus. Fear, control, abandonment, abuse, they've kept you prisoner and the Spirit of God who began this work in you, the beautiful Spirit of God wants to set you free and yet He waits for your agreements and your partnerships in that process of freedom. What is it that God is speaking about to you as I speak? I know that He's speaking. God told me to bring this message to the church and do you know why He told me to bring the message to it? Because I'm confused by something and I said, God, we're not seeing your power at work in us. Let me tell you why. Because there's a connection between holiness and wholeness. If you are walking in wholeness, you will experience the holiness of God. But if you've got pain and resentment and rejection and abandonment and all of that stuff inside your heart, it's almost like the stones in your heart. And when God pours out His Spirit, you're already full of something else. You don't fully get the measure of what the Spirit wants to do. Being led by the Spirit for some of us today is forgiving someone. Being led by the Spirit today is repenting of some things. Being led by the Spirit today is allowing God, the one who is like Jesus, the Holy Spirit, to set our hearts free from things that have entangled us and are restricting us, are confining us in the purposes of God. And no song that you sing will ever do this for you. Only the Holy Spirit. And no preach that you ever hear could ever do this work for you. They're simply vessels or instruments that God will use to speak truth to you. But who the Son sets free will be free indeed. And it's time. It's time to get free. I know bad things happen to good people. I've been around long enough to work that out. But you see, I have an alternative reality I want to live in. Good people happen to bad things. Oh yeah, you were abused. Forgive that person. They were probably abused themselves. That's the truth. They could only give you what they'd already been given. Do not allow yourself any longer to be entangled in the pain and the suffering and the sin of your past. Ask the Holy Spirit. Continue to speak to my soul, Lord. Now when the Holy Spirit ministers to your soul, it affects your body. You end up doing things you perhaps wouldn't ordinarily do and you end up not doing things that perhaps ordinarily you would do. But one third of you today, and you could have the worst day of your life for all I know, one third of you is already in perfect communion and relationship with God. Your spirit, if you're born again, has been made brand new. You are a new creature in Christ. The old has gone spiritually and the new has come and now the Holy Spirit wants to minister to you he wants to bring healing and deliverance and freedom and you know I know that we're coming to a time where our left cheek starts to go numb on the seat and it's time to go home but what I'm talking to you about is way more important than your chicken dinner way more important because some of you have lived a lesser life than the one you hoped for and you've become a little bit indifferent to God as a result of it. It's time for the church to stand up and say, Jesus, 
take all of me. Have all of me. Do whatever you desire to do in me, Jesus, and set this captive free from anything that hinders me from living in the fullness of my new reality, which is your nature, your kingdom, your power, and your goodness. And if you think you've arrived somewhere, let me help you. The Bible says you will be ever changing from one degree of glory to the next. If you think this is about human effort, let me remind you of this. It's not by might or power, but by the work of the Spirit inside you. And if God wanted to do anything for you today, I know he'd want to set you free. Can you stand? Thank you, Holy Spirit. We need you, Holy Spirit. Sometimes I'm not sure we want you, but we do need you. We need you to finish what you started. We thank you, God, that we are never too much for you. We thank you, Lord, that you knew us before you came to live and abide in us. There's no surprises here. You know exactly who we are, where we live, what's going on. And you see everything, God. Nothing's hidden from your sight. And all those years ago, whenever we said yes to your invitation, you came knowing that. You came knowing, Lord God, that we would not every day get it right. Sometimes we'd willfully go in the opposite direction. You came, Holy Spirit, believing that your work in us, your power in and through us, would have such an impact on us that at some point we'd start to resemble Jesus. We'd start to sound like him, act like him, think like him, and respond like he would respond. We thank you, Holy Spirit, that you are so more powerful than we ever imagined. It's not a feeling in a meeting at the end of a song. You abide with us. And in the scripture, Lord, it says you will not leave us as orphans. You will stay. I want to pray off that lie, Lord, that we can somehow offend you to the point that you abandon us. Some of us are trapped in a situation because we think we've done such bad things, Lord, as Christians, that we must have offended you deeply. Lord, I thank you that you're not that easily offended. I thank you, Lord, that you know me and you understand me and you love me even as I am. And you knew everything I do, good, bad and ugly. And you still came, you still came, Holy Spirit, to live inside of me. Knowing the end before the beginning, you came and said yes. And you still say yes today. That's why we can say over our lives as we wake to every day, goodness and mercy, Lord, will follow me. Somehow you will turn the wrongs into rights. Sometimes you will restore the years the locusts have eaten. Sometimes, Lord God, you will give us life in all its fullness in spite of our inability to be obedient and to partner with you. And Lord, even in this room, there are people who got stuck somewhere. I might even be one of them, Lord. Something happened that devastated them and they've camped somewhere. Lord, I pray in the name of Jesus for release, release to come, Lord, over hearts and lives today because the adventure ahead is going to be glorious. The plans you have are spectacular, Lord. And Lord, you are working in us to bring us to readiness to receive everything that you have prepared for us. If you're not a Christian today, you stand no hope of transforming your life. Because I want to say over you, self-help is no help whatsoever. Because if you're relying on your wits or your capacity or ability, you are missing out on what is incredible, and that is the power of God at work in you to bring transformation, healing, freedom, and the likeness of Jesus. We say, come Holy Spirit, not because we're looking for something to say in a meeting, because we know that without you, Holy Spirit, we'll fool ourselves into thinking we can become all that we have been called to be. I can't do this unless you build the house. I'm just laboring in vain, Lord. And I pray that you'd come, Holy Spirit. I ask that you would be tender-hearted and move amongst us today, just like Jesus, Lord. I pray you would come in your beauty, in your gentleness, in your power, in your goodness. I pray, Lord God, that my soul would be flooded by what exists in my spirit. Holy Spirit, come to the surface in my life. Holy Spirit, let the well begin to rise up. Holy Spirit, let the river of God begin to flow. Holy Spirit, restore to me 
the joy of my salvation. Holy Spirit, renew the years the locusts have eaten. Holy Spirit, give me grace to forgive some people. Holy Spirit, give me humility to repent of some things. Holy Spirit, will you work your wonderful work in our souls today? Make us like Jesus, Holy Spirit. Why don't you lift your voice and just begin to talk to him about this? I don't know what your issues are. I know what mine are. Just begin to talk to him. Say, Lord, help me, please. Thank you, Lord. Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. Come flood this place and fill the atmosphere. Your glory, Lord, is what my heart longs for. To be overcome by your presence, Lord. Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. Come flood my life and fill my atmosphere. Your glory, God, is what my heart longs for. To be overcome by your presence, Lord. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Just release, release us, Lord. You see everything, you know everything. Release us, Lord, from anything and everything that hinders us and confines us and restricts us. And I thank you, Lord, that you who began, you began this good work in us. You have promised that you will complete it until it's finished, Lord God. You would keep working in us, working through us until it's finished. Yeah, thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Make us like Jesus, Holy Spirit. Make us like Jesus, Holy Spirit. He said about you. We're thirsty to see you work in our lives that way. Come, Holy Spirit. Awaken all the things that you carry in your nature that I need in my nature, Lord. Awaken them in me, I pray, Holy Spirit. Let your love and joy and peace and goodness overwhelm my soul today, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for asking the Father to send the Holy Spirit. Thank you, Father, for sending us the Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for coming. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for being in us and being with us, Holy Spirit. Thank you that you're the only one who knows where all the life is that we've been invited to. And we ask that you lead us, Holy Spirit that you heal us, Holy Spirit, that you restore and renew us, Holy Spirit. Yeah, thank you, Lord. Let's just thank the Lord for his presence. Thank you, Lord. Everything we have, Holy Spirit, is because you have led us to the places and spaces we needed to be in to see Jesus as he truly is. You're the one who speaks and ministers to our hearts, transforms our minds, releases our souls from the infections and the affections of things, Lord God, that are not godly. Purify my heart, Lord. May it be as gold and precious silver, Lord. I, I echo the words of the psalmist David where he said, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Take not your Holy Spirit from me, Lord. Thank you, Show your power, O oh Lord, our God, our God. Show your power, O oh Lord, our God. Show your power, O oh Lord, He is the Lord and He reigns on high. He is the Lord. He spoke into my darkness, created His light. 
Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Come out of Suyabaku. Holy Spirit, come and minister to your people, Lord. We need you, Holy Spirit. We need you, Holy Spirit. Spirit. Yeah, thank you, Lord. Yeah, thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus, you are the great high priest, the one who intercedes for us night and day, Jesus. And you are praying over this group of people, Lord, for a fresh awareness of your Holy Spirit, Lord. And we say yes, Lord. We say yes, we would love, we would love that, Lord. We would love revival, Lord. We'd love renewal, Lord. We'd love restoration to become realities. Lord Jesus, you're praying also that we would know that the power that is at work in us is, is all sufficient and there's nothing that we lack. I know some of us are conscious of our lack and in human form we have lots of lack, but when it comes to God, we have, we have no lack, Lord. You have given us everything we need to pertaining to a life of godliness and freedom, Lord, and liberty and hope and joy. Holy Spirit, we welcome your ministry. Holy Spirit, as a community, we say yes to your healing touch for our hearts. Holy Spirit, we ask that you would release us from the snares of entrapment that the enemy has sought to put in our ways. And Holy Spirit, we pray that this would become our truth, not just a song we sing or a scripture we read, but this would become our truth, that in the last days you would pour out your spirit on all flesh, Lord. All of us in this room need a fresh touch from you, Holy Spirit. We do, don't we, church? We all need a fresh touch. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you're not shy or embarrassed or ashamed of us, that you come and you dwell amongst us, Holy Spirit, and you love being with your people, Lord. And we thank you for your ministry today. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 God bless you, church. Have a wonderful week.